Welcome, welcome in to another episode of the podcast. Wanted to thank our presenting sponsor, Underdog. Use our code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, with Underdog and get a free deposit match up to $100 in bonus cash. Today's episode, we're going to be going through reports from around the realm. We have our regression candidates, both positive and negative regression candidates for this upcoming fantasy season. Uh, And then beyond that, we had a Twitter question submitted uh, and of course, your favorite bickering back and forth between me and Max. I still won't trade with them, but don't tell them. Maybe something will be in the works sooner rather than later. All right. Again, we wanted to thank our presenting sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. They are the presenting sponsor of the Dynasty Monarchy podcast. Let's get into it. Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy podcast where you will learn how to rule over your dynasty league for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go. Episode number 55 of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. It is Wednesday, August 31st. Whoever you may be, however you may be listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, welcome, welcome in. Pleased to announce Nick C, the prodigal son, has found his way back home. Super producer Nick C and Max are holding it down up in Cleveland. Jace, out in the desert, how are we doing, gentlemen? You know, Peter, I was uh, I was doing okay. Then watching you just stumble over your words and literally having to restart that super producer Nick C segment about four times and put a smile on my face. I love seeing you stumble, Peter. So I'm doing better now. Oh, it's a... Uh... It's a fine Tuesday night to talk some fantasy football. It's a fine night to listen to uh, Monarch Max and Monarch Peter Bicker. I'm sure all you out it's there, you love Tuesday. it. I love it. Nixie's back. I mean, looking at his beautiful face on my screen. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm in pure joy mode right now. So let's have a fine Tuesday night talking some fantasy football. For all those at home uh, that can't see, Nixie, super producer Nixie is in a fully decked out Cleveland Browns room where the walls are painted uh, various orange, white, and brown streaks. So always spirited uh, whenever we record on these Tuesday nights for Super Producer. Of course, man. And, you know, like you guys said, one episode gone was one episode too long. I missed you guys. It's definitely good to be back. And there's nothing, nothing like recording a good ep. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. We're not going to hold you up too long here before we get into the episode. So a little pop culture with Pete, something that was on the rise. College football week zero was on the rise this past week. Moving into that, uh, by the time you're listening to this, we will be, I believe, three days away from college football, technically two and a half by the time you're listening. I want to hear who the number one overall pick is going to be in rookie drafts next year. And who you have as an outside chance to sneak in the first round. Just somebody you like. Uh, I guess I'll kick us off. I'll answer both. I mean, Nick C is going to go on and on about this guy, Bijan Robinson. But I think JSN will be the number one pick next year, uh, purely because I'm a wide receiver baby. And someone who I think will sneak into the first round is um, that, that guy from Wake Forest that Peter likes. Uh, A.T. Perry. Stealing my pick right from under my nose. We'll talk about him. I'm sure we'll be gushing about him soon. 
pause. I'll pass it on to Dave. Hmm. I yeah, I think the number one pick is going to be Bijan Robinson. I think that man's hype train has been chugging along for quite some time now. It's only just going to keep picking up train cars behind it. Um, a guy that I think that could sneak into the first round is Will Levis out of Kentucky. I feel like people are kind of going to fall in love with him as a prospect, very Josh Allen-esque, if you will. Strong arm, big dude, likes to run, runs well. Um, maybe back into the first round kind of guy in a really good quarterback class. I could maybe see that happening uh, for fantasy. Yeah, man. I think uh, B. John Robinson is easily 101. <laughs> and then what about his Bijan mustard? Fire. That makes him even higher than 101 <laughs> in my book. But would you, in a startup, would you give up, uh, like, let's say a fourth round pick for him right now? Just to know that you would have him hypothetically. And you get a case of Bijan mustard with that. Bro, I would take, I either, that would be a second rounder, bro. Just throw him in there. Cause Ooh. I think, he, I think he's going to be like, he's going to be that good, bro. He's probably going to be a first round startup pick once yeah, he comes out. I think so too. I think where everyone has been drafting Jonathan Taylor with like a top three, four pick in dynasty startups. I think, I think that's going to be Bijan pretty easily. It's, you know, the running backs, they just turn over so, so fast. And I know like JT feels like he's at the top of the world right now, but so was CMC just a couple of years ago. And now it's like, oh, we don't know how we feel about him. We don't know how we feel about him. One injury away, all these guys. So Bijan, I think, yeah, he might be the 101 in a startup, honestly, if you find the right person. I really might agree. He's only 20 years old right now. He doesn't turn 21 until January. Just given that age and the upside, yes, we have to see him play this year in college where he gets drafted, yada, yada, yada. But I think a late first, like right now, if I had a draft, it was like, hey, you could either have pick 11 in the startup or have pick 101 next year. I'd say I'll take pick 101 next year. Well, I hope you would. <laughs> I'm I saying think... in a startup. Oh, my bad. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. you're a little crazy for that, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm a crazy man, but. The nutty professor. And then I think uh, for the second part of your question, Peter, as a guy that could slide into maybe the back first round, I had been seeing a couple clips of this guy, but uh, Joshua Downs from North Carolina. He's a wide receiver. I saw him routing up a couple of DBs already, and I think he's going to be pretty solid and could could sneak into that late first. Yeah, somebody that nobody's really mentioned here. You know, he, he lit it up last year for the Pitt Panthers. I think Jordan Addison's going to have a very easy schedule uh, in the Pac-12 with USC, Lincoln, Riley. Uh, I believe they haven't moved over to the Big Ten yet. I think it's not for maybe a year or two. Am I wrong with that? No, you're right. Not yet. Yeah, so Jordan Addison's going to get the ball from probably the premier quarterback in his – I think he's going to be in the 2024 draft class, Caleb Williams, uh, out there in USC against Pac-12 defenses. I really think he's going to have a chance to, to slide in that 101 conversation. Would I put him there myself? No, but I, I think a consensus 101 could be made if he has a Devonta Smith like season, but instead of being Smith's build, 
the guy is Matt is like a pretty big route runner, kind of like Garrett Wilson as well. So I think he could definitely slip into that one-on-one conversation given the longevity of wide receivers as well. And it's all going to depend on his landing spot. Um, but again, somebody that I think can slip in Max took it right away. I've been talking about this guy for years, AT Perry. The guy is an absolute physical freak. Uh, he is six foot five, 206, uh, and he has a projected 40 yard dash time based on film of 4.5 flat at six foot five. So he just he just projects to be this absolutely massive, massive dude. What um, happens when he runs that four seven or four six? Are you out? Are you pulling the trail on card? You gone? No, no. That guy is too big and has proved it too many times uh, at the collegiate level. So he proved it as a junior, uh, as a sophomore this past season. Uh, had a pretty decent freshman year as well, but I, I, his campaign was just so stinking good. So I. I he had this past season, he had 1300 yards and 15 touchdowns with 71 passes caught. So, and that's as a sophomore, I can only imagine it going up. So he can sneak into the first round for me, to be honest, if I was there at one Oh four and was really in love with this guy, I wouldn't be shocked if I reached heavy on him uh, at this point, pause. But (laughs) uh, with that being said, let's get into the episode before we do that. This week, we want to thank our presenting sponsor back again for another week, Underdog Fantasy. Yep, you guessed it. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football this season. Here's the tip. Download Underdog Fantasy. Use our promo code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, and enter one of their tournaments. And they use best ball leagues. Best ball leagues are basically stress-free fantasy. Once you draft your team, there's no waiver wire, no trades, no nonsense. Your best possible lineup will automatically be set after the week. No crazy start-sit decisions max. Give me a future start-sit decision that you're already regretting. Um, just kind of the running back room. I am not a running back fan at all, and I feel like Tony Pollard's going to have some really great games. And, like, right now I'm not starting over Cam Akers or Travis Etienne. But I can just see, especially if Zeke goes down or something like that, and I start, I don't know, ETN, and he doesn't do much, and Pollard's just sitting on my bench and gets a lot of passing work and stuff like that. Um, also, Joan Dotson, you guys are kind of making fun of me today because I called him Doxson, you know, as his cousin. Like the dog. Sure, his dog, the cousin, whatever it is. But I think he's going to have a really good year. I don't trust Carson Wentz, but I can see, like, over a guy like – Claypool or St. Brown if he slows down or Devonta Smith so who knows there um, but with underdog I wouldn't have to make that decision I just draft them all and be smiling ear to ear yeah so again use our code monarchy at underdog fantasy draft your best ball team win a lot of money I think it's that simple use our code monarchy m-o-n-a-r-c-h-y and get a free deposit match of up to $100 in bonus cash again monarchy m-o-n-a-r-c-h-y for underdog fantasy. Now let's get into reports. All right, right off the top, let's talk LaVisca Chenault. LaVisca Chenault has been traded to Carolina for uh, peanuts, basically. Uh, What does this mean for the longer term Terrence Marshall holders in your specific opinions? 
coming out of college, he was obviously a high prospect. I feel like just because he went to LSU, he had a little tear up there, but I don't know. You got Baker as your quarterback. Now you're number three, four on the depth chart. It's not looking good. You haven't really broken out. Who knows? Obviously, it's going to take some time, but it's not looking good for Terrence Marshall holders. Where I mean, he was a second round pick last year. Now he's probably on some of your waiver. Yeah, I don't think this is good for Terrence Marshall at all. I think, you know, Terrence plays a big slot role. And LaVisca, what did he do? He was a slot player, kind of gadget type player, but mostly plays in the slot. So I think Matt Rule was looking for someone to fill in that spot. And to me, I thought, I was talking to the guys about this last night. I think he's looking for a Curtis Samuel replacement. Um, back in 2020, the Panthers passing game was actually legit. Like Robbie Anderson, that was the last time we saw him relevant. Uh, racked up over 100 targets. DJ Moore was as good as he always is, 11 and 1,104. And then Curtis Samuel in 2020 was a beast. Week 7 through 17, he was the wide receiver 12 in half PPR scoring. Um, and that was all being third on the team in targets. So... I think LaVisca is going to jump right into that role, whatever role Curtis Samuel's playing. And maybe if they're uh, not happy with how Terrace Marshall's lining up in the slot, maybe LaVisca gets even more than what Curtis Samuel seemed, um, especially given the fact that Robbie Anderson's, what, 30 years old and just a complete afterthought. And now his he was trash-talking his starting quarterback during the offseason. Like, you just can't really see that working out right now. So I'm pretty pumped for LaVisca Chanel. I bought him for the 212 in this last year's rookie draft. And I think another third round pick, I don't even remember what year, but um, that was based on the rumors he might end up in Kansas city, but you know, although he didn't land in green Bay or Kansas city or one of these super high powered offenses, I think he's in a place where uh, that gadgety type role that he plays can succeed and has succeeded in the past. So, you know, if uh, LaVisca is sitting out there and he's available for a couple third round picks, people think he's just washed in an afterthought. I'm, I'm going to buy all that up. I mean, he has come on the field and produced um, in his small sample size, but he's shown a lot of flashes. And I think the Panthers saw something in him that they wanted. Yeah. Particularly uh, when I was looking at this, I know that the Panthers were in on Denzel Mims. I guess they'd rather pay the absolute, again, pennies on the dollar and go get LaVisca versus what Joe Douglas would probably want for Denzel. Um, do I think that LaVisca Chenault's going to have a decent role in this offense? A decent meaning, you know, maybe 500 yards? Sure. I, I do think that he has the opportunity to reach 500 yards. Does he have the opportunity to reach 1,000 this season? Probably not. Um, so at the end of the day, this is going to be one of those rotational depth pieces. Let's say you, you're playing in a league with three flexes. He could be a spot starter week to week based on injury. If DJ Moore goes down, there's going to be a desperate need for a wide receiver to step up there. LaVisca is a little bit of a bigger physical presence over the middle. So I think he can kind of replace, be that DJ Moore kind of like fill in if he needs to be. One thing, too, is Christian McCaffrey missed a ton of time in 2020 when Curtis Samuel had that year. Uh, I, I think he was the wide receiver 25 in PPR scoring and 24 in standard. Um, like I said, he was third on the team in targets, but that's because Christian, Christian McCaffrey was gone and was hurt. So now you think about it, Robbie Anderson being old helps, but if Christian McCaffrey were to miss any time, I think that Curtis Samuel role from 2020 is wide open for LaVisca. And I think, 
I think you could really see him pop down the stretch. I think it's going to take him a while to get integrated, but I'm pumped. I, I would not be sleeping on LaVisca. All right, let's move on. Next one. Uh, this one was a little bit more of sad news, so we're going to keep a little bit more of a somber tone throughout. But Brian Robinson uh, had a little bit of an altercation and ended up being shot multiple times in the leg. Uh, he's doing better with the team now, but just wanted to send our thoughts and prayers out to the young running back out of Alabama. Um, but again, this is a fantasy football show, something that, you know, we can talk nicely, but there are real world implications uh, and fantasy implications from this as well. So at the end of the day, Antonio Gibson holders were probably really down on their luck for about three or four hours until this news broke. If you're an Antonio Gibson holder right now, and if you're a Brian Robinson holder, what do you think is the appropriate measures moving forward? I've been really torn. I know Nick C's been trying to shop Antonio Gibson. Like he just got a brand new car and that he, uh, He's back on the streets, but I really think Brian Robinson plays this year. I don't trust the football team, the commanders, whatever you want to call them at all. Commies. Sure. The commies. Um, but with Carson Wentz and JD McKissick, Brian Robinson, and then Antonio Gibson, it's just, it's a three headed, I wouldn't even say monster, just mess back there. The so I, do think, mess. I do think he plays. Um, I think it's fair price right now for Antonio Gibson's stays at a second. Uh, just given that he could get traded, yada, yada, yada. Um, but nothing really changes that much for me, honestly. Praise out to Brian Robinson for sure. I think, I don't know, everyone's going to immediately want to wait for Antonio Gibson to, you know, have some success and then go run off and sell him. I think, you know, I don't know. In that situation, I kind of just, I want to fade the public a little bit. I'm, I, he's a long term long-term hold for me Antonio Gibson I think if he can show flashes this year someone's going to want him a dude that was a former wide receiver can catch the ball um, has the skills to be a three down back in the NFL I just think I don't know he's still so young running backs can bounce around Leonard Fournette's career looked done a handful of years ago and then all of a sudden he's back to being a you know second round draft pick and redraft this upcoming season so he gives Gibson's a long-term hold for me. He has had success on the NFL field. He's had fantasy success for us. I, I, I think it's going to be a lot harder to get him off the field than what we've seen this, uh, this most previous preseason. So hold on to him. Don't run out and just try to sell him immediately. You're never really going to get fair value because of the stink of this preseason. That's just happened. Um, him returning kicks and everything like that. Um, and the final thing I'll say is go get you some J.D. McKissick in full PPR leagues. The man will be relevant, maybe not with Gibson on the field, but if Gibson were to ever sprain an ankle and miss a week here and there, McKissick is a very, very, very solid guy to have on the end of your bench to plug in as a flex or an RB2. All right, let's keep moving forward. Jimmy Garoppolo resigns with the San Francisco 49ers. Do you think that this is a bash against Trey Lance or a smart move on the team having nowhere to ship Jimmy? I think the latter. I think that they kind of seen what happened in Cleveland with, you know, Watson and the whole Baker situation. And now the Browns are left starting Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby, if you're listening, no hard feelings. I think you could do great. But if Trey Lance was to go down and you have Jimmy G right there and you're paying him a pretty decent price, Jimmy G could also teach Trey Lance a lot. I think they're friends. 
And as long as the organization's like, hey, Trey's our guy, but Jimmy, Jimmy, they both know their roles, they know their jobs. I think both parties are very satisfied. And I think it's a smart move overall by the Niners. I agree. I think it's super duper smart. Got a little pay cut, saved themselves some money. And this roster's like ready to go. Like, I don't think this is a roster that can wait for their window to open back up in a couple of years, because I think it's right now. You got George Kittle right in the prime of his career, Debo in the prime of his career. They got, you know, a couple of young running backs that they like um, that are cheap. Elijah Mitchell is like free basically. And like uh, good defense, good young coaching staff. The, the time is now. So if Lance goes out there and just, you know, farts it up all over the place, then, they got they got a guy that's almost taken them to the Super Bowl a handful of times. It's been a play away. Um, so I think it's great, great, great for their organization. And as a Trey Lance holder, I do think it makes you, uh, you know, double take a little bit. We've seen Jordan Love. Look what's happened to him. You know, team went out and drafted him, but there's Aaron Rodgers sticking around. So Trey Lance better, uh, he better kick it in gear. I know he's got a good start to the, the season, strength of schedule wise, but, you know, Jimmy's right there waiting. You know he is to grab another opportunity and just to take them straight back to the playoffs. So um, good move for them. Professionally, fantasy-wise, Trey Lance holders, beware. Here, San Francisco is 7-7 seven and seven going into the last three games of the season. What do they do? Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. That's the scary part. You know, I, I just have no idea what they would do. Yeah, it would depend a lot. I feel like it would depend a lot on how the team's having success with Trey Lance. If they're just having success with him just running around all over the place and not really using his arm, I think they're going to go to Jimmy. They got too many playmakers on that field to just not have the ball fed to them. And Jimmy can feed the ball to people. He's not a fancy superstar, but he can. He's an Italian grandma. He's the Italian (laughs) grandma. He he just feeds and feeds and feeds. He does. Even if you're not hungry, he's going to feed you. Damn straight. Damn straight. He's throwing the ball to Debo. He's putting it in his gut. I mean, yeah, he is. He really you're going to eat it and you're going to like it. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pause. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, Kenyon Drake signed with Baltimore. Meh. Yeah. Kind of mid. Can I get a J? You can get a J. J. I'll, I'll go with the A. I'll go with the G. Just a guy for Kenyon Drake. Twilight of his career is coming up right now. Wouldn't be surprised if he bounces between three or four teams before the year's over. So I think this is kind of the trajectory. Definitely not a cuff you need to have if you own Dobbins, uh, in my opinion. No, Mike Davis is that guy. And I would go out and get Mike Davis if he's sitting on your waivers or whatever. Saw Dobbins, you know, his week one status is in question. Gus Bus is obviously on the pup. Mike Davis could get a lot of work early on there. And, you know, believe it or not, they do play the Jets week one. So I like the game. I like Mike Davis. Peter will be there. He's he's great luck, too. Peter's extreme. I've seen the Jets win. I've I have been to a Jets win and I've been to a Jets loss. So we, we shall see. Yeah, Peter's great luck. All right, let's move on. Last little talking point here. So we're just going to go through some notable cuts, uh, just quick reactions for these notable cuts. One of them I did want to take a tiny little bit longer to discuss, uh, but let's just go through them really quick. Josh Gordon, 
don't don't think he was going to do much this year anyway. I mostly just feel bad for Nick C. That's kind of his super boy. producer. You want to chime in? Hey man, I hope he I hope he signs with the Browns, bro. That's that's all I can hope for at this point. I love Josh Gordon. <laughs> what a team you guys would be assembling. You know yeah. what? I, I think a lot of I think there's always the meme of like the longest yard or whatever the movie is uh, <laughs> that they're the prisoners. Oh yeah. I think love that movie. I think the Browns would be inching one step closer. Sure would. But a uh, Man, I'm out here in Arizona where Kush is legal. So to everyone else, that's that's not the case. I'm sorry, but it's legal out here. And man, it is just crazy how much of an afterthought it is out here. Like you can be in the workplace and people are talking about how they go home and smoke before bed. And it's just, it's nothing. I grew up in Ohio though. And that it's the devil's lettuce. It's the devil's lettuce, right? And just poor Josh Gordon, man. You know, well, Oh, poor Josh Gordon, yes, but he was also dealing like pounds and pounds of it in college. So yeah, sure. But they, you know, they didn't pop him in college. They popped him as a pro and he just bombing his drug tests. And, you know, now they don't even test for it. So just sad, sad, sad career. If only he was born a couple generations later, or not a couple generations, but you know, just a little later in life, man, my man would be just on course for a hall of fame career so alvin johnson got that preferential treatment he used to smoke all the time oh yeah he sure did you know poor josh gordon that's what i'm saying it's the devil's lettuce out in cleveland he probably had enemies in the locker room not to get political or anything but poor josh gordon let's keep moving forward marlon mack how does this affect marlon mack next day it's terrible it definitely affects him this is another sad one for me because i love marlon mack mixie i think all your boys are biting the dust today sad day for me I could, uh, I will say, Sony Michelle also got released. Another kind of just big in between the tackles runner. I could see one of those guys coming to sign over with the commanders if they're really out on Antonio Gibson. And I think if one of those two guys ends up over there, I do think, as a guy who's been supporting Gibson throughout this whole offseason, that would be worrisome to me if they really, really, really want someone to fill that role. So just uh, be on the lookout. I think both of those guys could definitely find some work. And also, like, to that point, Chase, like, when these guys do, because I would venture to say Marlon Mack, he will get picked up by a team, and so will Sonny Michelle. If the owner of the team, like, let's say they sign with, I don't know, let's say the Saints, and the Camara owner's panicking and there's a little bit of a discount on Camara. Go out and buy that because I, obviously these guys, they're not starting running backs. Yes, they're maybe handcuffs. I don't think either of them are better than Mark Ingram on the Saints, um, just from a fantasy perspective. But if any owner's panicking when they sign a running back, oh, the team doesn't believe in him. Oh, this, this, and that. Go out and buy the dip. Peter's like the number one guy that always panics. I mean, the guy could literally stub his toe. Yeah. And Peter's in the bathroom crying, wanting to trade him. Oh, like, yeah. like, I'm not taking the guy. And Pete's still crying, and you got to calm him down. Listen, man, you got to get a binky for me at this point. All right. Sony Michelle, any, any talking points? I don't think. Negative. Negative. Nah. Reiterating what we said about Marlon Mack. OJ yeah. Howard. No, I mean, a sad career for OJ Howard. You know, he had promise in Tampa Bay. He's got the height, he's got the skill set, went to Alabama. Just couldn't put it together man yeah i think this is uh just like one little weight taken off of dawson not dawson knocks back he doesn't have to compete with uh oj howard anymore so r.i.p oj
All right. Uh, Tyler Johnson, no talking point. I didn't even know there was a Tyler Johnson talking point, so it's an obvious no from me. Too bad. Sorry, Too bad. sorry, JB. Yeah, I, I did like me some Tyler Johnson here. He was just, it was more of an opportunity thing, like a, a Josh Palmer in LA kind of thing, just an injury away, maybe. All right, last one. I did want to talk about this one a little bit more. The first quarterback from the 2021 class has been cut, Kellen Mond. Uh, the Vikings have cut him. Obviously, they didn't see the promise that they were used to. Most likely a career backup future for him. But I know a lot of people liked his attributes coming out of college. Any thoughts? Just leaving it open. Super producer's laughing. I, I feel like he wants to say something. Let's hear it. No, I'm just thinking of the, uh, the quote. It was with Mike Zimmer on the presser. And oh, yes. I think there was something with Kirk Cal- Cousins. If he was ready, he'd play or something like that. It was like, uh, they were like, oh, are you interested in seeing Kellen Mond in some action to see, see what he can do? And he was like, uh, like, I see him every day. Like, so he was just so <laughs> unimpressed with him. So that should tell you all there is. I see him every day. Oh, man, that's good stuff. PCAT, I know this isn't in the show doc, and it's probably not a notable cut. Wanted to bring it up here, uh, just transitioning to the 2021 class. Your boy, Leatherwood, Peter. 17th overall pick, cut by the Raiders. The Raiders have been cutting all their draft picks. They cannot draft to save their life. You know what? My thing with Leatherwood last year, uh, for anybody anybody out there that doesn't know, uh, Alex Leatherwood was the 17th overall pick in 2021 draft. We were actually at the draft that year in Cleveland. Uh, Offensive tackle from Alabama. He went to the Raiders. I was very high on him, wanted the Jets to grab him. Uh, we got Elijah Vera Tucker instead, which I'm, I was, I believe, that around the same level with uh, at the time. But one obviously panned out better than the other. I would not be surprised if he revitalizes his career. Again, you can't teach size. That is a big man. Uh, it's kind of the same thing like Makai Becton. He's too big and he gets injured, but Leatherwood doesn't have that injury history yet. Just seems like he needs to find a new place that can help him put it together. Maybe it can be a Joey Gallo-like situation where a little change of of scenery and he's doing a lot better. Yeah, I actually have a Joey Gallo pick the game, call your shot to win a Topps parallel card. Anyone out there, anyone, if you know when Joey Gallo is going to hit a home run, let alone a base hit, please, Please, for the love of God, hit my DMs and tell me when, because my God, I, you know, I don't want this card to go to waste. So anyone out there that's plugged in, please at Jace Burke DMP on Twitter. Let me Wait, know when Joey Gallo's going yard. What team's he even on these days? He's on the Dodgers. He's, uh, you know, for as bad as he's been, what a spoiled little baby. He got to go from the New York Yankees when they were the hottest team on earth now he's over at the uh, playing with the Dodgers. It's Leapfrogger. Like, good lord, man! Like, I don't know. I don't know. That guy he went from below World 200. Series favorite to World Series favorite. Yeah, it's pretty and playing wild. and playing in both teams while uh, stinking. It baffles me. It baffles me. But please, God, anyone, tell me when he's going yard. With that being said. That's going to wrap up our reports from around the realm section. But before we get into our regression candidates for the 2022 season, 
we wanted to give a little quick plug to our Twitter. Super producer Nick C and Jace have been pumping out great content over there for all of you. They've been doing polls, facts, giveaways, perhaps. Our signed Javanta Williams jersey giveaway is on the Twitter. If you have Twitter, go follow us at Dynasty Monarchy. If you give us a follow and retweet the post that is pinned, that's our jersey giveaway post, that will enter you for a chance to win the jersey. We're going to be raffling it off that Thursday, September 8th, I believe. Thursday, September 8th, we are going to be giving away the jersey. Yes, that's the first day of the season. Just as a little thank you for us reaching 1,000 followers on Twitter and the page growing organically the way that we've always wanted. A lot of people come out here and they don't grow uh, and they, you know, do X, Y, Z to try to promote themselves. We're, we're out here, we're growing organically and uh, we're really happy for that. So we wanted to give back to all the people. So give us a follow at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter to enter into the giveaway. With that being said, let's get into our positive and negative regression candidates for this year. Shall we do a snake order, Peter? I know you love the snake. Oh, the snake is perfect. Do you want to pick the order, Peter? No, Max. Nothing would bring me more joy than to give you this opportunity to pick the draft order. Oh, Peter, you know, with that being said, I'm going to put you where you belong. The last pick. On the corner. You can snake. I know you like the snake, but you belong on the bottom there, Peter. Ooh. Uh, J- JB, I want Not you for to- long. I don't know about that. On the bottom by choice. JB, I want you to kick us off, and <laughs> I will be in the middle. Let's go positive first. Let's go positive first. Mine is Mike Williams. Mike Williams, I think, just had a phenomenal year. And some people, specifically on this podcast, I think, believe Mike Williams just had the best year he'll ever have in his career which could be true, but let's read off his stats. Call me out, Chase. (laughs) It's PCAT. He's not a big Mike Will guy, and I'm sure you'll hear why. But here's what I want to say. First and foremost, let's read his stats. 129 targets, 76 receptions, 1,146 yards, and nine touchdowns. Okay, pretty solid across the board. But to me, I see a lot of positive touchdown regression coming. Not so much catches or yards or anything like that, but the touchdowns, I think, got to get above double digits this upcoming season if Mike Williams is healthy. And it's really, it just boils down to this. He had 19 targets inside the 20 last year in the red zone. That is, let me pull it up really quick. That, that ranked very, very, very highly amongst um, NFL pass catchers. So inside the 20, Mike Williams pulled away with the, the 14th most is what they got them lift, listed at on pro football reference, but there's a lot of guys with ties there. So I probably put him around in the 10 to 12 range as it goes for targets inside the red zone. And then not only that, he had 12 targets inside the 10. So 19 targets in the red zone, 12 inside the 10, only nine touchdowns. We also know Mike Williams is a giant big play producer. He produces at any given time, a 40-yard touchdown, a 50-yard touchdown. He has that in his skill set. He's a hulking man, a guy that we saw early last season get force-fed the ball. He just signed a new extension on this team. I just think the yards and the catches could definitely stay the same, but I could see 12 to 14 touchdowns right in Mike Williams' wheelhouse. And if you're getting him as a wide receiver too or a flex, which is more than ideal, I think he's going to win you weeks. And I think if you get him at the right cost, he can win you leagues. So Mike Williams, positive touchdown regression inbound. Jace, what is the right cost? 
Um, I mean, I would still, if I'm going for it, I, I would pay a 24 first. And I, you might, Peter, if you had Mike Will and I offered you that 24 first, you probably, I feel like, would pull the trigger on that guy. Um, Max is waving his finger no, but Max, we'll cut in. What do you what do you think? Well, I just think that if Peter, he's so hypocritical that if Mike Will was on Peter's team, he'd say that he's worth four first-round picks or have this irrational price for him. When in reality, Peter doesn't even like the guy. He just likes to ruffle my feathers. And I kind of wanted to rebuttal and be like, so Jace, like, are you taking Mike Will ahead of Keenan Allen this year? Or where do you rank those two this year? I mean, obviously, he's younger than Keenan Allen, but do you think he could outscore him? I could totally see it. You know, Keenan's getting old. He's getting old, but he has been old reliable. I just think it depends on what you want. I think if – you know, you can grab Keenan Allen as a super duper safe. I think more as a middle tier wide receiver one. I'm fine with that. You got to pay a pretty penny to go get that though. Mike Williams though, as a wide receiver two at cost in the, you know, fourth round of your redraft. I give me that all day over Keenan Allen. So at cost, Mike Williams for sure. Um, but it just kind of depends on how you want to build your team. I know Peter would definitely be in the draft Keenan earlier and just get what you know is coming to you, which is, you know, a thousand plus yards and, you know, seven, eight touchdowns. So just depends on what you want. But I, Mike Williams, I don't think he's shown us his true potential yet. I think he's got another year or two in him of double digit touchdowns, which goes a long way towards being a top 15, top 10 guy. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I would add on to this is like one, I do worry about the injuries. We joke about it all the time. You know, he goes up for those 50-50 balls. He lands like he wants to break his bones. <laughs> uh, but the thing that I love about Mike Williams as well as, well as the touchdown, like, regression is the, just the division that he plays in. I mean, they're going to be scoring so many touchdowns. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago, just with being tied to Justin Herbert, with being that number two on the offense on, in that division where a lot of points are going to be scored. I mean, a lot of points are going to be scored. Um, Nick C, super producer, just type in chat. Keenan Allen, wide receiver 13. Mike Williams, wide receiver 14 on underdog this past week. So Oof. they're right there next to each other. And I just feel like Mike Wills, that kind of guy that you can plug him in and he can get that 80 yard touchdown on one play and then still get like, he's that guy that can get you 150 yards and two touchdowns. Whereas Keenan Allen, you maybe will get over 100 yards some games, but you're getting like 60 to 70 and maybe a touchdown. He's just going to get those catches. Whereas Mike Will, he's going to go out and he's going to win you weeks. And ultimately, that's what you need. So I think his cost, Jace, I would pay it. If I'm going for it, man, and I had a late 23 first, I would 100% pay that for Mike oh, I really that, would. That's. <laughs> I think, though, I don't think you would have to do that deal straight up. I do think you could get some throwback in return because 23 firsts are going for gold and you find the right owner. That's, you know, very much not in the boom bust camp where they don't want these high uh, volatility players in their lineup. You could get, you know, you fork over your late 23 first and you get Mike Williams plus a decent handcuff or a couple second round picks or so. I think you could get something back and even that up a little bit, but yeah, if I'm going for it, I think Mike Williams is going to be part of plenty, um, you know, league-winning rosters this upcoming season. Agree to disagree. Um, again, I don't think that he is going to be a bad player. I think I've mentioned that on the podcast in the past. You can pull up my red receipts, whatever you want to say. 
I just don't think that he gives the stability for a competitor to slot him into the wide receiver one or wide receiver two role every single week. We've seen it on and off, but he is going for a wide receiver one, wide receiver two cost. But really, if I could get him for a flex price, like let's say if I could get him for a second and a third or a couple seconds, I would do it. But there's no way he's going for that price. And there's no way that I am angry at owners for you know holding him to that higher standard. I just think that there's a million better options in the world that are a million times more consistent. Do I think Justin Herbert takes the next leap this year? Yes. Do I think uh, that offense is going to be at least the same exact level competitiveness in games, you know, passing, running, that kind of like distribution? Yes. But I just don't know if he's going to have consistent enough targets and consistent enough catches week in and week out to justify putting him in your lineup every week. Yeah. Um, he reminds me too much of a tight end to be a wide receiver. That's the, there it is that it literally just clicked in my head. Yeah. I mean, he's volatile. He's volatile. We got to see last year he was scorching the earth and then he got banged up and slowed down. But I wanted to put this in context too. I mentioned that he had 12 targets inside the 10 yard line last year. That was tied fourth in the NFL behind guys like Cooper cup, Stefan Diggs, Devonte Adams. Keenan Allen was also on that list tied with him at 12. But I mean, when you're getting that many targets inside the 10 yard line and you know, the kind of balls he's getting, he's getting 50, 50 balls uh, in the back corner of the end zone last year, the, the coin landed on the wrong side, but this year things could land on the right side and, you know, give him four more touchdowns to what he did last season. I think that's basically what I'm getting at yards catches. I bet it stays pretty close to the same, but the touchdowns, I think that, the touchdowns are inbound and uh, it's a non-sticky stat. We've said that a thousand times on this podcast. So beware, but the numbers are there to support it and how they use him in that offense. Yeah. Just one more closing thought. I feel like if you're going to win a championship, yes, you can have consistent players that put up around the same points week in and week out. And Peter, I know that's what you like, but if you really want to, like, if you're a team that doesn't have just, like, a bunch of consistent players and you're a team that's, like, kind of in the middle, you can make the playoffs, yada, 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 you need to have those guys that can give you 40 points in your lineup. You need to be able to take those risks and live with it. I mean, last year, Peter and I, I know this is a bad memory for you, Peter. I'm actually not making fun of you here. Mark Andrews, he had that killer game with 30 points. I had Kelsey who had 36 points. If I start a different tight end, who well, I'm not going to start over Kelsey, but a different tight end and I don't have that big week, Peter wins because he had a guy that had a big week. So it just takes one week like that, and you have about seven spots where you can get that from. And I think Mike Will is one of those guys that, like, we know his floor is pretty low, but his ceiling is monster. It's like 150 and two. So I'm taking the risk 10 out of 10 days. All right, moving on to my positive regression candidate. We're going to kind of go a little quicker here. We talk about this guy a lot on the podcast. It's Kyle Pitts. I just brought a lot of stats. Um, then we can kind of digress and talk about it. But he's 21 years old, which is absolutely crazy. Um, the only other rookie tight end that had 1,000 yards in a season was Mike Ditka. We obviously know what his career turned out to be. Um, but he had 142.6 fantasy points last year and a half point PPR. Um, 
Andrews, the number one tight end, had 247 points. So about 100 more points than Pitts. Um, but when you look at it, Andrews had nine touchdowns. Kelsey had nine touchdowns. Pitts had one touchdown last year. And if you just let's take a mean here and say that Pitts gets five touchdowns last year, instead of being the tight end seven that he was, it would have made him the tight end three on the year. And to finish tight end three as a rookie with only 68 catches and one touchdown would have been absolutely like unheard of, like crazy. And a lot of these tight ends, it takes them a while to develop. You know, we've seen Hawkinson year in and year out, not been able to convert to the next level. Andrew's 26 years old. I mean, that's five years older than Pitts. And he's done it for two, three seasons in a row. So it takes them a while to develop. Uh, Andrew's had 107 catches, whereas Pitts had 68. Kelsey had 92. Um, Then you also look at the targets. He only got 110 targets. And these aren't targets from Patrick Mahomes. These aren't targets from... Um, Lamar Jackson these are targets from Matt Ryan that he had last year I get this year he didn't he doesn't get much of an upgrade at quarterback if any with Marcus Mariota but my whole argument is that the touchdowns are going to go up he's going to be a more focal point of the offense he has another year to learn the system and if Kyle Pitts can hit and score those touchdowns I think it puts him in that category I think he's already very close to it just given the position scarcity of Chase and Jefferson um, I mean, we've seen just tight ends are a dominant, dominant thing to have and to lock up someone like Pitts, you're going to have to pay the price now and hope that he hits, um, or you could take the risk, I guess, and hope that he scores another one touchdown in a thousand yards, but even then he's still so young. So I would get in now before the price is just like untouchable, honestly. I think one thing for me is in redraft this upcoming season, I'm probably not in on like that second third round cost right now and redraft I just don't think what he's going to end up doing will justify that but I am with you on the touchdown regression even if the yardage suffers a little bit okay cool you get 800 yards out of Kyle Pitts because Mariota and Ritter can't support in a thousand yard uh, wide receiver sure that's fine but how many tight ends out there really do end up racking up 800 yards not that many but Kyle Pitts we could totally see being a force in the red zone um and just big plays down the field. I just wanted to look real quick. Matt Ryan, last season, he's always been notorious for not really being a big touchdown thrower to his number one wide receiver or number one target in the offense. And we saw Pitts suffer from that last year, like you said, Max. Matt Ryan, 3.6 touchdown percentage last season. Marcus Mariota, who's projected to start for this team, 4.3 touchdown percentage. So about a bump in, you know, 0.5 you know, it's a bump, it's a bump. So if Pitts came out and scored seven, eight touchdowns with 800 yards, I think that's a really, really solid season. And then at that point, we'll have seen him be able to put up the catches to, to, to man the targets and uh, put up the yards. We just need to see him put it together in the red zone and in the end zone where it counts, where a giant bulk of fantasy points come from. So I think if we see that this year, which I believe is totally possible, I think he's just a, decent Jimmy G-esque quarterback away from just being an absolute monster and just a probably someone um, sleeper is going to have to decide if they want to put as a tight end or a wide receiver down the road because he's going to be that much of a cheat code so could shake the game forever if you're getting in on dynasty yeah the, the time's probably now before he explodes uh, I think this is max propaganda Max has been trying to move Kyle Pitts in his league 
our league for what seems like an eternity and no one is biting. Max, why do you think that is? Um, I don't think no one is biting. I just think well, that... if a trade hasn't happened, then no one is biting. No, that's not true. I have a lot of bites, and I would think everyone on this call would be if I said, Hey, are you interested in Kyle Pitts? They say yes, but not for the right, not for the price that I want him at. And I think that it's basically just the price is why I have not moved him. I've had a lot of good offers out there, whether it's Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Dalton Schultz, and Cortland Sutton. Um for Pitts and Dotson or Javonta Williams and Dalton Schultz for Pitts. I mean, it's to the point where I've gotten a lot of good offers and I feel like I can really go out and get any player in the league other than Chase and Jefferson for Pitts. Uh, maybe Waddle too for me. Well, if unless they're on <laughs> Peterson, then all things got the window. There's a couple guys though, like the Pitts thing too. It's tough. Like Peter, you can speak on this a lot. It, and I can too right now with where my most important team is. It's like players are at an absolute premium right now. And it's just like, even the idea of going to get pits for someone is just like overwhelming. And once points start getting scored, we see fluctuation, maybe pits just bums it out for a few weeks. Like prices are going to fluctuate and people are going to get back into fancy football here pretty soon. There might be people in your league that, that they, they play dynasty, but they don't actually play dynasty. They don't look at the, uh, you know, their roster until redraft season comes around again. So I think there will be, you know, I can think of a couple teams in our league that are holding on to some 23 picks and some decent prospects that maybe right now they're scared to make a move, but uh, are not scared, just apprehensive to make a move um, that in a few months time, I mean, I think the, the, offers for pits are going to come flying around especially when someone thinks there's a buy low window for him because there never really will be a good enough like true buy low window you're always going to be paying a premium for him and like the thing is peter before you chime in again it's just like it's i've talked about it before it's so hard it is so hard i i've been playing fantasy football for such a long time and i would honestly say this is the hardest task that i've had to do is to build a team around Kyle Pitts unless you drafted him because the price that you have to pay and what you have to give up is astronomical. And yes, I could go to you, Peter, and say, I want X, Y, and Z. And you're like, oh, I get Kyle Pitts, but my team's decimated. Who wants to do that? Not many people. I mean, to build a team around Kyle Pitts is, it's the hardest thing that I've had to do. And I, I've enjoyed the challenge. I would say I've done a decent job at it. Um, jobs just not done yet. So Peter, I'll let you uh, get back. Yeah, I think Kyle Pitts is a great player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, again, I feel like I'm being a little bit of a pessimist on this show, just about every player that I hear about. So I apologize to the listeners out there. I'm much nicer in person. But when I think <laughs> Max is shaking his head at me, but when I really think about Kyle Pitts, Max hit the nail really firmly on the head. He is too expensive to build around and compete. If you were a dynasty player, let's say you were able to acquire some first round picks for, let's say, Andy Isabella or, you know, Christian Kirk, like someone in this league was able to do at some point, won't name names. <laughs> but if you're able to get some basically free first round picks, yes, go send them out, wait a couple of years and your team will be stacked for 
most likely a four or five year run, but it's just really hard to see this deep. And Jace, I did want to mention something that you talked about here. Players are at a premium, you said, and I think that is so important. I saw players over the last couple of years in all of our leagues, all of our leagues flying elite caliber players. We are, we're moving all the time. I feel like the trade kind of industry, if you want to call it that, or the trade market has kind of simmered over the last year. And people are holding on to these elite level talents because there's so many questions in the marketplace right now. Jason, I wanted you to just elaborate on that a little more. Yeah, I think right now it's, I mean, I fell victim to it buying Terry McLaurin for, it was a multi-team trade, but the guy who sold Terry McLaurin to me last season ended up getting three first round picks for him. Like it is, it's hype season. It's time to like, it's, uh, you know, I'm kind of sick of it because I got burned pretty, <laughs> pretty bad last year on a couple guys, but it's hype season and it's fun to like project this wider, uh, you know, tight end one season for Kyle Pitts and this wide receiver one overall uh, finish for CD lamb and guys who haven't done it yet. And what you have to do to get those guys right now is trade guaranteed value, guaranteed studs to go get projected value and projected value is always just, it's never in the middle. We're never looking at these guys in the middle. It's either they're complete trash or they're the best thing since sliced bread and you have to pay so many guaranteed safe assets to go get these super high upside guys. And right now it's just, unless you're a deep, deep rebuilder and you can afford to do it and you have plans and you can pay a premium, fine, go do it. But you wait till the middle of the season trades start looking a lot different teams that didn't think they could compete end up in a decent playoff hunt. And then all of a sudden their trade window opens up and values change. So I don't know. The, the training camp videos were just on Twitter not too long ago. The preseason games are just like a whole different beast. Just we've been saying tread lightly and especially in trades, just understand you are paying peak value for these uh, 2022 breakout candidates. So just beware. One more thing that we also, we touched on it a little bit last episode, but there's been barely any injuries where as during the season, let's say like 10 players get hurt, whatever it is, you could go out and you could trade Kyle Pitts and you could be like, yeah, I'm not winning this year. You go out, you can win this year if you have Kyle Pitts and give me player A, B, and C that all got hurt and they're going to be hopefully good next year, you know? I mean, values are going to fluctuate so much given injuries, breakouts, how their usage is, stuff like that. I mean, Sutton's value and Judy's value, we watched go from literally negative to they're almost untouchable now. It's, it's, it's really crazy and everyone's like, oh, they're going to have a breakout. No one's ever like, oh, Russ kind of looked bad after his finger or this, this, and that. I mean, it's crazy. Just be careful and have fun with it because at the end of the day, it is fancy. I hate to just keep this conversation going, but I feel like it's sparking a really good one right now. I love it. I, I do too. And I think one thing to keep in mind too is if you have breakout hopeful guys on your roster like Cortland Sutton or Judy this year, don't sell them for like a, you know, on the, on the trade value chart, like a B plus value, wait on those guys and see if they can get you that a plus value. I know for me, I bought Cooper cup last off season and held on to him. Cause I, you know, I was getting offers for him. People wanted to see him break out too. I was getting, you know, packages of different guys or a first round pick here and there, but 
I held on to him because I believed in him. And then I actually flipped him into Kyle Pitts. Um, Debo Samuel, another guy I sold for two second round picks. Then he comes out and he's, you know, just like these other guys, a complete breakout, best thing since sliced bread and instantly worth pretty close to what Kyle Pitts is. So I would tread lightly if you're putting, I did it myself. I paid Cortland Sutton, Terry McLaurin and uh, 23 first for Kyle Pitts and Tony Pollard. I feel like in a way I sold low. CD Lamb and Tony Pollard, excuse me. But in that scenario, I had the assets to go do it. So I went and did it. But in the back of my head, if Terry takes a, an unexpected step forward and we finally see him break through Sutton hits it off with Russ, that deal could look like, you know, I look like the winner getting CD lamb, who's the projected best player in the deal. But if all the guys I sent away hit, I look like a big time loser there giving up a ton of value. So just tread lightly when you're giving away those kind of like back end wide receiver ones or back in RB ones with the chance for top end stuff, because in a year's time, instead of trading four assets for a Kyle Pitts or a CD lamb, you might only have to give up two. Yep. Jason, that, that thought goes through my head every time I put ETN in a trade. It's like, man, this guy could actually be it. He could put it all together. He's got a new coach, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, oh, but I could get CD mm. Lamb right now, or I could get this guy that looks yeah. really pretty right now. But if I wait and it's like Jalen Waddle bums out and ETN pops off, I don't have to give Peter Cam Akers ETN and Jahan Dotson. I could just give him ETN. And exactly. be in such a better position. And totally. Delay your gratification is what Peter used to always say on this podcast. I think that rings very true at this shout time out, here. Shout out uh Mort Sauce from Philly. Shout out Mort Sauce. That was a great conversation. No need to great apologize. Con- yeah, that was good. I feel like uh man, I'm just sitting here realizing a whole bunch of stuff. It's not like we brought all that stuff pre-planned to the pod today. That just yeah. that happened. That was that was expand so your mind, Jace. Hey, I said I was in Arizona. Don't tempt me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to mine. I wanted to talk about Zeke. I had two negative regression candidates just because I'm so passionate about them. So my first one is going to be Zeke. Um, Let me just pull You are the pessimist. I'm I'm being we, the, me, uh, Max both did a positive guy and we're going to do a negative guy. And you're like, nah, I got these two negative guys. You just, nah, uh, I just, I just can't. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I just, you know what, you know, uh, you ever see um, what's the movie with Bruce Willis where with the little kid, the shining or no, not the shining, the, the six cents. Sixth Sense. You ever I see, see Sixth Sense? People. I see dead people. It's like I, I, I see dead people like with fantasy values, like everywhere <laughs> I turn. It's like Just I look to at Mike Zeke. Williams, yeah, literally to Kyler. And then I realized that I got kicked out of the playoff at the end of the movie. Ooh. And I've just been waiting. <laughs> and I, my team's the all dead assets. Nonsense. Little, little baby spoiler there, but. Wait, just. I just want to touch base on this again, just because you said you got kicked out of the playoff. All you need, and this could be the trade corner for the day, yada, yada. What I love the word yada, He's yada. scheming. He's scheming. I see scheming. it in his face. I'm not scheming. He's a schemer. All you need is a seat at the table. You can take everything we talked about tonight and get a seat at the table and be a six seed and start Mike Will, and he drops 150 and two touchdowns, and you yeah. knock off the one seed. It doesn't matter how good your team is. Players have bad weeks. Multiple players can have bad weeks. You need depth. 
you need star power you need you need it all but all you need is a seat at the table and Peter, all you need is love all you need is love. you need a lot of things but a seat at the table in the playoffs who knows what can happen what do you need more love or a seat at the table i think they go hand in hand you just got to buy in on mike williams show him love and you and will make it to the playoffs peter you're gonna see at the table boom, uh. boom. <laughs> All right, I'm going to zoom through this because I feel like we've talked about Zeke here uh, a lot, but I think it's really important just to overemphasize this. If you own Ezekiel Elliott and you are in a dynasty league and you did not get Zeke for essentially free, you need to have Tony Pollard rostered. Okay, I'm going to say that again. You need to have Tony Pollard rostered. There is no trading for Zeke without Tony Pollard. I know Max was able to do that this week. Any comment on that, Max? No comment. I did get rid of Zeke and got to keep Pollard and honestly prefer Pollard over Zeke. So I was ecstatic by that. Peter, I got to ask you, as Zeke, as you're, maybe you're about to get into this, so I apologize if I'm cutting you off. But no, you're good. What, you know, like what scares you the most with Zeke? Is it you think he's going to lose work to Tony Pollard? Or do you think it's going to be, all based on efficiency and just like that offensive line lending itself to even worse efficiency than his old age can provide. Yeah. I think a big thing, I don't have the PFF rankings right off the top right now, uh, but the Cowboys offensive line, it's a medley of factors is the short answer, but I think the PFF offensive line rankings, they've always been top five, let's say at the worst top 10, that Cowboys offensive line, they are so banged up this year. Plus, they lose a big receiving target that's going to take pressure away from the run game and Amari Cooper, a guy who stretches the field. Now, Zeke in his last uh, his last seven games, so from week 11 to week 18, these were his points. So this is how he ended the season when we saw his knees start to like basically go out and he was running like two miles an hour like my grandma up the middle. And then Pollard was taking more touches. So these were his fantasy finishes and half point PPR six points, nine points, 14 points, 16 points, four points, 10 points. Woof. It's not the Zeke that we're used to is all I'm saying. Yeah. I think he is going to have a lot of regression moving forward this upcoming season. Pollard could even outright take the job from him. I doubt he does just because Jerry owes him all the money. And we really know Jerry runs the team uh, and he's going to want to still sell jerseys and et cetera. But I wouldn't be surprised if it moves more towards a Melvin Gordon, uh, Javonta Williams type shared backfield. So everybody just needs to pump the brakes on Zeke. I think in redraft, he is an absolute value where he's going. I think he is going to score touchdowns. He's going to get yards, but in dynasty at this point, he there's his value just will not go up from here. Yeah. The one thing I will say is it probably won't go up from here, but I could see it kind of stabilizing throughout the season because that, offensive line like you mentioned is terrible and they just ro- lost uh what's his name tyron smith who's just an integral piece of that offense in protecting deck i think the work for zeke or his snap percentages are gonna stay pretty high unless he has some kind of catastrophic injury because if that offensive line is bad he Dak is gonna need a second wave of protection and zeke is a a plus 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 pass protector. I mean, there were clips of him taking out two dudes with his singular body um, in pass protection. And that's something Dak trusts him with. They're obviously best friends. If you watched hard knocks a season ago, 
Um, but like you said, that team believes in him and in, is heavily invested in him. So I do think he's going to be out there as much as he possibly can. And in that way, you might, his value is going to stabilize throughout the season in my mind. And you might be able to get, I'm not like panic selling right now is what I'm trying to say. I think his value is going to be there in the season. And you might, if you wait until the season, find an owner who needs an RB three or they need an RB two for a stretch. And you might be able to get a little prettier penny than you possibly could right now. Cause I think everyone's O U T on Zeke. I really don't trust Zeke and given his age, given the line, given the circumstances, I think he's going to plummet to zero. Final question for me. You get offered a projected early 23 first, say 204. Are you selling Zeke for that 204 pick right now? I'd rather have the 204. I'm out on Zeke and I'd rather have Zeke. I, I think that's his like actual line. Yeah, I think it's a... If you need him, he's probably worth the 204. But if you're like rebuilding, I don't know. He's never going to get you a first rounder anymore. I think that's probably an early 23 first is probably uh, if I'm a rebuilder and he happens to be on my roster, I'm probably selling for that as well. 23 second. 23 yeah. second. What Those... did I say? First? Yeah. Yeah. Hit me that first. <laughs> All right. Let's move forward. My second regression candidate, negative regression candidate here. Tom Brady, you know what? I don't want to poke the bear, Whoa. Uh, but I'm gonna. Oh, he's I'm really growling. gonna. He's, he's, he's growling. Yeah, he's he just finished uh, drinking his 30th gallon of water uh, and has drank his body weight in water today. So maybe I can catch him on a bathroom break while he won't hear me. But it's just a weird situation down there uh, for me, particular. This is not numbers based. This is totally wholeheartedly emotional based. But when I think about Tom this upcoming year, and I think he's great, I think the team around him has been better. That offensive line has been better missing, I believe, now three out of the five original starters from last year, uh, one to retirement, two to injury, and I think another one recently got injured, but he'll, be, he'll quote unquote be fine. Um, but there's just too many question marks with Bruce Arians moving into the moving upstairs. Todd Bowles running the team now. It just seems like a completely different uh, – I hate to use the word vibe, but I'm just getting a completely different vibe. He leaves and goes on a vacation for 11 days. I know he's Tom Brady. Tom Brady, and he's like the best quarterback to ever live, and he's allowed to do these things because he has special privileges. But it's just giving me the heebie-jeebies about him this year. He put up a great season last year, an all-time season for a guy of his age, an all-time season for a guy of any age to put up uh it would be career years for a good majority of quarterbacks in their 20s what he put up in year 43 i believe it was or 44 could have been i can't even remember how old he is at this point but what do you guys think moving into this following year for tom are we able to see him put up the numbers that he was able to last year being a top six fantasy quarterback or do we see him kind of falling out of it because of all the quote-unquote intangibles that we've been seeing from camp it's it's tough to bet against Tom Brady, um, but I just don't see him finishing as a top quarterback. Obviously, he's never added rushing upside. What really helps him with points is just the amount of touchdowns that he can throw and the amount of yards. I mean, they sling the rock. But with that offensive line, like you mentioned, Pete, 
Chris Godwin slowly coming back there. I do think Julio has a pretty solid year, but losing Gronk, I mean, some people on this podcast uh, think that Julian Edelman's going to come back to Tampa. Um, Peter, that's you. Uh, but I just don't think that he's going to have the same year. I think he still has a pretty solid year. I think they can make the playoffs in the NFC. But from a fantasy perspective, and I just can't believe he was the number one ranked player on the players' top 100 list. I'm just – I'm not in on Tom. And it's just – especially from a dynasty value and single quarterback, he doesn't hold much value given his age, given the single quarterback. Yeah, I think I'm not paying a premium for Tom Brady. It's kind of like him and Aaron Rodgers are going from the price of last year and they've had so many losses, but I believe in Tom much more than Rodgers this upcoming season, just because Mike Evans is just Mr. Consistency. I don't think his career is going to fall off until Tom's does, or he has some kind of injury. Chris Godwin is roaring back from his injury by all accounts. So he's coming back. They got Russell Gage, Leonard Fournette. Sure. Things aren't necessarily looking so good for Lenny, but they got Rashad White, who is a premium pass catcher coming out of college, coming out of ASU, represent uh, the home state here. But, you know, Tom Brady last year, 5,300 yards and 43 touchdowns. Like it's a career year from Tom Brady, which is at his age, incredible. But, you know, all the Cooper Cup people (laughs) this upcoming season are screaming regression. You can't have a career year and follow it up with another career year. Uh, Maybe Tom can, but Tom, his last two seasons in Tampa, so 5,300 yards this past season, the season before his first season in Tampa, 4,600 yards and 40 touchdowns. So since he's been in Tampa, they have thrown the snot out of the pigskin. Tom has only been over 4,600 yards with the exclusion of this past two years in Tampa four times. Not only that, Tom Brady has only thrown over 40 touchdowns one other time outside of his two years in Tampa. Tom Brady has been in the league forever. He is eternity. He is infinite. And, you know, I just, him putting together another season, three years in a row, 4,600 yards and 40 touchdowns, that just seems like, that seems like a lot for a guy his age. So I think we need to tamper expectations. And if Kirk Cousins ended up outscoring him or Matthew Stafford or one of those other statue quarterbacks ended up outscoring him it would not surprise me one bit they're all kind of one and the same to me but um here we are talking about Tom Brady in a negative manner this could come back to just absolutely crush us as a podcast so I'm going to stop talking right there all right Max Snake is back around to you uh your regression candidate yeah I only did one regression candidate and that is James Conner. Just have a couple of quick stats. Not as much as not as many as Pitts, but he had 15 touchdowns rushing last season. 37% of his fantasy points came from the touchdowns, which is an astronomically high amount um, when you look at it. He was the running back five last year. He averaged 3.7 yards per carry, which was his worst season in five seasons. Uh, when you look at like 3.7 yards per carry, that's really 43rd ranked running back in the league, which is just not very good. I mean, there's some guys on that list that I don't even want to mention yet. They didn't have the same amount of carries as him, but still it's not very good when he scored. He took, he's 7% of the time he touched the ball. He scored just to put this into context, guys like Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, they did 4% of the time they touched the ball. They scored. So he's almost doubling that, which is crazy high. 
and just not a, not sustainable at all. He turns another year older, obviously, given how birthdays work. 27 this year, 752 rushing yards last season. He doesn't get that many rushing yards. He scores way too many touchdowns, and he caught way too many footballs last season. I just don't see any of this continuing on to this season. Give me James Conner, negative regression, lock it in, maybe finishes as a top 15 running back, but I do not want to touch him with a 10-foot pole. James Conner, yeah, he's Zeke, James Conner, Leonard Fournette. These guys are all kind of like grouped in a hodgepodge for me, and it's just like unless I'm going for it and they've been on my roster for a while, okay, I'm fine with them, but I don't want to go pay the 23 first or the 24 first to go get one of these guys. I would love to sell at that price 100%, but like you said, the touchdowns, they could easily come back down. James Conner was a guy that was – you know, labeled injury prone for the vast majority of his career. I, I don't know. I think he's a prime regression candidate, someone we definitely need to tamper expectations for. But we also need to understand when he's healthy, when that Cardinals offense is clicking and scoring points, he is going to put up a ton of points. Like the way they utilize the running backs in Arizona, it's honestly shocking how successful it is compared to how pass heavy they are. But when you're down in the red zone and you got Kyler Murray and James Connor standing next to each other in shotgun, and you don't know which one is going to take the ball and run. That is a tough, tough assignment. And the Cardinals understand that that's why backs are successful in the system. I think tamper expectations. If you're a rebuilder, get off before it's too soon, but don't discount how valuable they can be for the right price to a rebuild. I mean, to a competitor, excuse me. All right. With that being said, let's move into Jace's final one. Oh, God. Here we go again. It is, it is time to fade Chase with Jace once again. So, Jace, no. I know. Man, I am putting it all out on the line for you guys. This, this I mean, I don't know. I might have to take a hiatus if this isn't a – well, I'm just saying, I'm not, you know – banging the horn for fade chase but i'm just saying be wary be wary jamar chase is my negative regression candidate and a lot of it has to do with his touchdowns kind of like um mike williams in the in the positive way so jamar chase last season 13 touchdowns 12 targets inside the 10 which tied mike williams super solid but only seven targets inside the red zone i was looking that up he was ranking beside guys like Jacoby Myers and Darnell Mooney, some pretty weak sauce wide receivers. And I also wanted to dig into what happened with those 13 touchdowns that Jamar Chase uh, scored last season. Last year, he had five touchdowns of 50 yards or more. He had four touchdowns of 60 yards or more, and he had three touchdowns that were 70 yards or more. Now to put that into perspective, here are the top players from last season in regards to 40 plus yard receptions just receptions not touchdowns cooper cup had nine 40 plus yard receptions debo samuel nine mike williams nine jamar chase eight so those big bombs they don't come in bunches they don't come in you know 10s 15s 20s it's you know fives and eights <laughs> if you will so i don't know you take away Two of those 70-plus yard touchdowns, bam, that's a hit. 
three out of the, you know, from 60 out, that's a huge hit. Take away four from the 50 and out. I mean, there's just a lot of ways that this could go wrong for Jamar Chase if he doesn't score these long bomb touchdowns. And not only that, as it comes to catches, Jamar Chase's catches, it's not as impressive as you might think. And a lot of it is due to the way that he runs routes and gets down the field. Cooper Cup, 145 catches last year. Devontae Adams, 123 catches. Tyreek Hill, 111. Justin Jefferson, 108. Deontay Johnson, 107. Mark Andrews, 107. Like the top end guys that we rely on, we want them to catch 100 balls. And they more often than not project to catch around 100 balls or more. Jamar Chase last season, only 81 receptions. That link that ties with Darnell Mooney. Cole, uh, Cole Beasley was one reception ahead. Jacoby Myers, two receptions ahead. Like, we're, we don't get volume from Jamar Chase in the way that we might necessarily think. It, it's not consistent week-over-week week receptions and catches, and targets go along with that. Jamar has been very much, like, the best-case scenario for, like, Mike Williams, who we brought up earlier. Highly efficient, scores a lot of big play touchdowns. Um, not that highly targeted in the red zone. So I just think Jamar Chase had a super-duper efficient season last year, scored a lot of touchdowns from really far out, didn't catch a whole lot of balls. T. Higgins is in that offense and catches a ton of balls and also makes big plays. So I just think I'm probably drafting Jamar Chase at cost still for sure because I believe in the high volatility. He will absolutely win you. He'll win you weeks, if not championships, in Nick C's case. Um, when he whooped me in the fantasy championship with Jamar Chase's crazy however many touchdown game. I like that, but understand what you're getting. It is not a Keenan Allen. It is not uh, a Stefan Diggs or a Devontae Adams. He could be that for sure, but what he showed us last season is he's very big play dependent. It just seems unsustainable to me, and I think we're looking at Jamar Chase's season from last year, and we're saying – that's what he is. We're saying we know what he is when it's just year one. I don't think we f- really understand the full picture of who Jamar Chase is. And it could be ungodly and the most positive direction. He could score 24 touchdowns every year and rack up over 100 catches. I could be dead wrong, but there is downside to every single fancy player. Yeah, I think, Jace, I'm sitting here. And when you told me those stats about how many touchdowns he has from 50 plus, 60 plus, like, I was like actually shocked. And I think what you're trying to say and what you are saying is that obviously you're not like completely out on Jamar Chase. You think he's going to be a bust. Like we know he's a special talent. We know that he can produce just given the circumstances of T Higgins, given that offense, I think it goes along with Joe Burrow and what the Bengals did last year. They're going to come back down to earth and you're not willing to pay his price right now that it is because right now, in our league, he's literally untouchable. The guy says that if he sees an offer with Chase in it, he will decline it. I offered him Kyle Pitts and ETN today, declined it. And after hearing this stat and everything that you just said, I'm almost glad he declined it because I don't think people, people think he's going to have the same season as last year. And they're so used to those big plays. But I mean, there's one that sticks out in my mind versus the Ravens when he like spun and missed like eight tackles like and scored mm-hmm. a 70 yarder just not going to happen again. So I think your argument was pretty much flawless and I don't have anything else to add. I am not a huge Jamar Chase guy for his value. 
uh, I'll take Jefferson every day of the week and twice on Sunday because, again, I get to see the more consistent side. But something that a lot of us, I feel like, aren't really talking about is how young Chase really is and how little football he's played over the past three seasons now, this upcoming season included. He has a lot that we haven't seen. And I think this year is a big determining year as to what kind of player he's going to be and what kind of role he's going to have in this offense for, you know, assuming they pick up the player option and don't let him walk away for the next, you know, six or seven years, what kind of role he's going to have as the wide receiver one in this offense. T is great. Don't get me wrong, but he is not the wide receiver one. Jamar Chase is the wide receiver one. So is he going to be the deep threat guy? Is he going to work on his over the middle passing? I think if he's able to work on that over the middle and get more consistent catches, I think he might leapfrog Justin Jefferson for me. Just having a consistent quarterback that we know is going to be there for years and years and years. But I completely understand the regression comment. In life, everybody wants people. We want people to change to be who we want them to be. And at the end of the day, whether it's your spouse, whether it's, you know, your parents, your friends, nine times out of 10, they're going to stay being exactly who they are. So that's why this upcoming year, I don't think Chase is going to change. But if he does, I think his value, it can't get much higher than this, and it, but it will go higher. If he's able to put some consistent weeks together uh, that aren't nuclear de- play dependent. Yeah, I, you know, and I just want to jump back in. This isn't like the full-blown fade chase train like it was last year. Like I just like wasn't drafting him at cost and I was just finding every reason in the world to kind of doubt him. But just as easily as, you know, the the 50 plus yard touchdowns, five of them, you know, three of them could disappear, four of them could disappear, all five could disappear in a world at the same time. Those could just drop a little bit and the, you know, uh, what did I say? the seven targets inside the red zone that could easily jump right up to 14 and the long bombs could disappear. Like that's why touchdowns aren't sticky. We don't know how these teams are going to utilize their players to the fullest extent. So I'm just saying be wary negative regression could be in the cards, given the data that we have at the same time, I could see it going the other way. So it's just a, it's just a be wary on uh, you know, if you're going to, take the you're going to take the trip and send over three or four firsts to go get Jamar Chase understand he might not be who he was this past year um in a good way or a bad way I wish he only cost four first we got guys in our league that think Waddle's worth four first man he is and you'll pay it you will pay it nope you're gonna pay it offer today Peter you're gonna pay it I know you will nope you keep holding out fighting it no point greed in fighting it, Max. One of the deadly sins, Peter. Greed is not good, and you're getting greedy, and it will bite you in the butt. You know, and when it bites me in the butt, I'll run back to Max and beg for forgiveness. No. You'll just be sorry when you get bounced in the first round yet again. All right. Well, look, we can host a different podcast about me and you raging on each other, but you know what? The people are here to listen to fantasy football, so – that's what we're giving to him. Sadly, though, we have run out of fantasy news uh, and our reports for the week. 
any final comments to the lovely listeners out there before we send them on their merry way? If I had to say one thing, just go on and uh, play some underdog right now. Use our code MONARCHY, get you a $100 deposit match and get share that with us that you um, you signed up using our code. We'll get you free in- 15 free entries into our signed Javonta Williams jersey and just go have some fun on the platform. The MLB season is winding down right now. They got pickums every day. If you ever uh, need some help trying to find a player too, always feel free to hit my DMs. I'm looking at baseball sports betting stuff every day, all day. I love the pickums on underdog. Go do you some drafts. It's a, it's just a great platform. And if you're just sitting around waiting for your redraft um, draft to come up this upcoming weekend or sometime soon, and you just can't wait, go play some underdog. It, it's a good time. Highly recommend. Yeah. One thing I'll leave the listeners with, if you made it all this way, one, thank you. We really do appreciate it. And two, just we are, we like to consider ourselves experts, but we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. No one does take everything we say with a grain of salt. I mean, if you're very believe me over Max, yeah, believe Peter over myself, but if you're very high on Zeke and you think that he will be the best running back, then go out and get Zeke, plant your flag, make the moves how you want to make them. At the end of the day, we're just giving our advice, what we see. We've been around the fantasy football community for a while, um, but take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah, I did have one thing real quick. Uh, so we did have a Twitter question um, from at Riker Thomas three, and he wanted to know how good do you guys think Jamison Williams will be uh, returning from his injury? And do you think that he'll find himself as the best rookie wide receiver uh, from this past class in a year's time? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, All speculation at this point. A hundred percent. Who knows how he'll return from injury, how that Detroit offense is going to look. But I really do believe in JMO and the talent that he has. I don't believe in him this year, just given Jared Goff, given the injury and stuff like that. If they go out, they get a quarterback. If it's his former quarterback, he's going to, going to be an absolute monster in an offense that's going to be down, going to be passing a lot. So it's tough to say right now, but if you could buy him low and stash him as a dynasty asset, put him on your taxi squad, put him on the IR, would 100% do that. I, uh, I'm i not a big Jameson Williams guy myself. I don't see it this upcoming season. I do think DJ Chark is in a contract year. A lot of good reports coming out about him. He was also just really solid when he broke into the NFL. I forget if it was his rookie season or his sophomore season, but put up a top 24 year in PPR. I think he was 17th overall. I uh, wish I had that right in front of me, but I think he's going to have a really solid year. Jameson, I just, he gives me a lot of Will Fuller vibes. And if he could stay healthy like Will Fuller couldn't, then he's going to be a premium piece and someone I definitely want. As I've explained, I like the high volatility, win me weeks kind of guys. I think that's going to be him. I think we're very fresh off the Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson seasons and Jameson's kind of just, slid right into that conversation he's he's a big 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 play guy runs a lot of deep routes and uh i just i don't project a whole lot of volume with him in the future i'm on raw juicy as we call him here i think he's going to end up being a possession wide receiver in that offense hawkinson's there he's going to catch passes swift is going to catch passes i just worry that there's not going to be enough to go around to uh give jameson that high-end wide receiver one that we want 
I think a year from now, it's going to be hard to say whether he's the best out of this class. I think if we look three years down the road, I think Jamison Williams has the highest percent chance out of this class to be a top three wide receiver. If that like to be an elite level top top tier wide receiver where, you know, the guy's fetching like five first round picks. I think he has the higher ceiling than everybody else in this class, but he definitely has a lower floor being in Detroit. I think he's definitely a boom bust play, but you saw his absolute talent on display in the SEC and against higher tiered competition at Alabama. A torn ACL at the end of the day isn't what it used to be. Uh, so is he going to be the best? The book is still yet to be written, but he has the highest possibility and the highest talent level to finish as the best. Yep. I, I think him and Traylon probably get the, if they hit, they'll be, if all the wide receivers from this past rookie class hit, I think it's him and Traylon probably racing each other towards the top. The safest one, if it were to hit year over year safety, Drake London, giving you those Mike Evans years. I think uh, that's what we could be looking on is maybe the best wide receiver in this class. And I'm a, I'm a big trail on guy. And even with London, like I could, uh, I, I could totally see him end up being the number one wide receiver uh, out of this class when it's all said and done. All right. That's going to wrap up the show. Wanted to thank everybody who entered our Jersey giveaway on Twitter at dynasty monarchy over there. Give us a follow uh, on Apple pod, Spotify, podcast however you listen to your podcast subscribe follow whatever you got to do go tell your grandma about it and make sure you call home tell everybody that you love them thank you for listening to the dynasty monarchy podcast fancy some fantasy advice tweet or dm at dynasty monarchy on twitter until next time farewell my fellow kings and queens